Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. The goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that gets us thinking, imagining, feeling, get us wondering, gets us connected, and perhaps inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we're making the connection. Our Connections radio shows are co-produced programs that address cultural identities, celebrating the richness of multicultural voices, sharing cultural perspectives and insights. We discuss needs and opportunities for multicultural communities and allies, addressing the challenges in creating true social justice and equity, and doing it with straight talk. Together, we're hopeful that meaningful change is possible with inclusion for all. Today, our show is co-produced with the Diversity Institute. I have Melissa Adams, who is the president and executive director as my co-host. And the Diversity Institute believes that diversity is everybody's business. The potential of all individuals are important. They work with organizations to develop strategies that build leadership capacity and promote inclusion, helping organizations move beyond the -the check-the-box diversity, equity, inclusion to looking at more meaningful and sustainable change. The Diversity Institute continues to provide a brave space where leaders can increase their cultural awareness, deepen their knowledge, and practice skills in a supportive learning environment. Welcome, Melissa. I am glad to have you as my co-host today. Well, thank you so much, Lori, and I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, there's a lot in the news, isn't there? We've got social yes. justice issues and more, and recently a lot of injustices that are front and center. The abuse continues. Yeah. It's it's cra- And then on top of all of this, in in the mix of this weave, we also have the Juneteenth celebration, um, and a celebration that not everyone understands. So I'm looking forward to discussing with you today how we weave together the past, present, and potential for the future. Yeah, I um, am so happy to be here with you as well. As we are in the month of June, there are a lot of different things that are going on around our country um, and a lot of different celebrations. And as well, there are a lot of different um, folks who are seeing the world from a new perspective and hoping to see change happen um, in 2020. Something that's interesting uh, that ties into June, right? Obviously, we're talking about the month of June being um, also the same month uh, that the Emancipation uh, Proclamation um, actually started to unfold and we could actually see in America a tide change, right? So it was uh, the name of the holiday for African-Americans around this time is Juneteenth, um, which kind of is a juxtaposition of the two words, uh, June and 19th, uh, which is a commemorative date, which would be June 19th, 1865 which is actually about two and a half years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, And the story goes that uh, some federal troops had to uh, go down to Galveston, Texas, uh, to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people would be free. And this day um, became what we call now the Juneteenth holiday. 
And, you know, interestingly enough, Juneteenth is actually celebrated in approximately 47 of the um, 50 states. Um, it's a recognized state holiday, which is really cool, right, that uh, people have actually taken some time to make this something that is important to them. Yeah, I, I think um, it's in also interesting. Life. It's also interesting that it was like two and a half years after the emancipation, you know, and what was the delay that they had in um, in bringing this news to Texas? And I've heard there was a couple different stories. One was a messenger was murdered on his way to Texas. Um, and another, it was deliberately withheld by enslavers to maintain the labor force on the plantations. I think the latter is more of the, the yeah. real story. Well, it, it could, you know, who knows? But, you know, it. I can understand the, or I, don't, I wish I didn't understand. I can envision is probably another word for it. I can envision how they wanted to have one last cotton harvest and um, the cruelty of, of keeping people enslaved after the emancipation is juxtaposed, though, with the joy of the realization that the slaves were free. And Right, right. And I also think it, it kind of ties into um, information. Yep. Right? Yeah. The lack of information is also a form of, in the work that we do, we help organizations sometimes understand corporate bullying. And, and withholding information is a form of corporate bullying. It's a form of withholding power because power is information. Um, so we, we, like you said, we were not there, but I do believe it had a lot more to do with uh, being stubborn and not wanting to. Because if you think back 1865, we had telegraphs and uh, probably newspapers and things of that nature that allowed people to um, you know, move information a little bit quicker than two years. Right, right. Oh. <laughs> but 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 change is hard, and that's something else that you deal with. I mean, you're really yeah. dealing with change management, and and how to look at the stories in people's head, and how do you how do you change some of those stories in your head, and how do you share right. information um, in ways that's meaningful and not shorthand? Because I think there can be ways that people will, I, I, I shared this information, but is it in a way that's decipherable? Uh, so much, I think, what happens in the corporation is subtext. They don't necessarily right. spell it all out uh, because they don't think through that some of the subtext and some of the shorthand um, isn't clear. Yeah. So as we try to look at this situation, it can also we can also think about... Um, our history as a, as a country um, and the fact that in that instance, right, Juneteenth is actually another um, good opportunity to think about the fact that we've actually, you know, um, although it's a, the horrific institution of um, slavery that was embraced by our country, we, we can look at Juneteenth and see it as a showcase of the strength in the American spirit to recognize wrong. Yes. Um, and try to set about making it right, right? And, and I love that it became a celebration as a time to reassure each other. It, yes. It's a time to gather the family members. Um, it was a time to uh, be able to claim what freedom could be. Um, and, and doing it with, you know, fishing and rodeos and barbecue and baseball and, you know, all the things that... Um, are beautiful about celebrating family. Yeah. 
it is. Right. It's also some of the, the um, you know, obviously we've had our his- issues in American history. And I think when we can acknowledge a wrong and then move forward from there, that shows uh, real conviction, right? And that shows the real character of the fibers that hold this country together. And we are tested right now in uh, questioning wrongs and and saying we need to make changes. Yeah. You were sharing earlier with me some of the things that um, very difficult in the news. Um, yeah, it can be overwhelming. Um, but but share some stuff that that you noticed this morning that just like you wake up to. Okay, what else are we going to be facing? Uh, of injustice. Right, right. And, you know, there are a lot of different things that are happening in our country right now. One, for sure, we need to keep an eye on COVID-19, right? And the COVID-19 stats are currently increasing. Um, It could be due to protests. It could be due to um, relaxing the restrictions of stay at home uh, a little bit too too early. It could be a number of things that are, are causing this in our society, but it's something that we really need to keep our eye on. And as we think about COVID-19 and its impact on specific communities, specific vul- specifically uh, more vulnerable communities, we know our African-American community um, is hit it, uh, or, or impacted at a more um, dramatic rate when it comes to COVID-19. It's a right? horrible disparity. I, it, it, yeah. It's um, so at a time like this, well, while we're dealing with these sorts of disparities in our community, we know that the African-American community is hit hardest. Our communities that are on the fringes of society, those folks who are in uh, what we consider marginalized communities, which would be our senior citizens, maybe our um, African-American, our LGBTQ community. These folks and, are all And socioeconomic disadvantaged, the poor. I mean... The poor, the, right? It, and, uh, and in this moment, I just noticed this... I'm sorry, Laura. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I just noticed this morning in the news that uh, President Trump recently rolled back uh, some health care um, advantages that were extended to the uh, gay community, which is really um, heartbreaking, right? Um, the administration has finalized a rule that would remove uh, non-discrimination protections for the LGBTQ people in health care and health insurance. And it rolls back Obama-era protections that um, prohibited discrimination in health care based on gender. And this is like, can you do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, excuse me, you know, what just happened here? Uh, right. And, and it's, and it, it, again, it's, he's got all of this drama around, you know, doing his big rally and then, you know, underneath it all, look what he's doing. I mean, you, right. there's a, a tendency to want to look at, well, all these amazing, why would we have a rally? Why would he want to have a rally that he has people sign off going, oh, if you get COVID-19, not my fault. Um, <laughs> and that's the focus. And and we miss some of the, the really radical, horrible things of rights and being taken away. It It's heartbreaking. Right. And you know, Lori, I, I tell you, when um, when uh, the president, after the 2016 election and, and many kids were afraid 
um, that Donald Trump would kick them out of the country. Huh. It was, it, they were learning this in the elementary schools that children were saying. This. And, you know, African-American children, they also thought that he could kick them out of the country. Oh, my goodness. The, the African-American community, we have some folks in our community who are, are currently really afraid that the uh, president will use laws to re-enslave the African-American community. And and when I say that, it sounds really crazy, but if you think about some of the ways that he can manipulate the laws in order to stop us from going certain places, to um, prevent us from being able to work or to cause all sorts of other oppressions well, in the community. Well, just, just the fact that they are not really closely collecting data by race and ethnicity on this COVID-19. They're just not doing that. And it's like, why not? Why isn't more research going into supporting the uh, solutions to the disparities? Um, When you don't invest and you know that it's the issue. I mean, it's plain as day that these are the issues. And yet it's just, well, it doesn't exist. If we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. And and meanwhile, COVID-19 is uh, wreaking havoc and, and hitting the disparities of the people of color, of older people, of um, the, the poor that don't have good access to health care. I mean, it's, it breaks my heart. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, right, obviously it starts, it says some of us can say, well, you know, I, could ha- I have good health care. I'm not poor. I won't have to, to deal with that. But the people who are delivering your food, the people who are preparing your food, the people who are working in the supermarket, the people who are doing the um, daily brunt work, uh, keeping America running, are the people who are being exposed. And those people still have to go back to their homes and back to their communities. So if we're not protecting those folks who some of us would consider the least of us, uh, we're we're doing ourselves a disservice because we're not protecting ourselves. If that makes sense. Oh, it does. What what strikes me is there can be a complacency of well, it's really not my problem. It's another person's problem. It's the other person. It's yeah. not me. Well, at what point do we look at everybody as family? At what point do we look at our country as a, 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 a as as an us and not an us and right. them? That that. Right. You wouldn't be saying that about your family. Right. Why, why aren't we family? Why right. why don't we have that, that sense of connection? I and, think there's a great point to that, but we can uh, we might need to go to a Yes, we do. We do. I was just about to say uh, thank you. Um, I want to make sure folks know um, how to uh, learn more about what you do. So why don't you share your website and... Um, sure. And we'll go, we'll go to commercial, but we'll be back. There's lots more to talk about. We're at www.thediversityinstitute.org. And stay with us. We're going to be talking more about the Juneteenth celebration, uh, the history, the present, and hope for the future. So stay with us. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. 
And I have my co-host today, Melissa Adams, who is the president and executive director of the Diversity Institute. And the Diversity Institute is co-producing our show today. Uh, They're our partners. uh, And I'm just delighted to have you as my co-host today. Thank you, Melissa, for joining us. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. And we're talking about Juneteenth coming up on June 19th. We're also talking about what stuff is happening right now and what do we do? How do we shape the future? I want to share a quote uh, that I found about Juneteenth. On Juneteenth, which occurs, by the way, on this Friday, June 19th, and it is about the emancipation, a word that finally got to Galveston, Texas, uh, only two and a half years after the war was over. But here's the quote. On Juneteenth, we think about that moment in time when the enslaved in Galveston, Texas, received word of their freedom. We imagine the depth of their emotion, their jubilant dance, and their fear of the unknown. We're still dealing with fears, aren't we? There's still a lot to be afraid of because we haven't quite come to the place of true equality and social justice, have we? I think you're so right. Um, And we were talking before you, uh, before we went to break, we were talking about the numbers and the data. Yeah. And we were talking about the data for coronavirus and that the numbers, you know, folks are not actually being honest about the numbers. They're not giving us the um, correct numbers. Some of the numbers are being fudged a bit. And I think that that's a bit indicative of some of the other um, issues that we have in our country around data. One example is that the uh, Washington Post actually created a website called Fatal Force. And if you are a subscriber to the Washington Post, you can go to their site and see it for free. And if you are not a subscriber, you can pay a dollar for a trial subscription to see it. This this website actually started to track the death of folks who have been killed by police and it tracks them according to their age, their race, their gender, their ethnicity, when it happened, how it happened, everything. It's a full database. Uh, And the reason I bring this up is because the reason why the New York, uh, the Washington Post created it was because the FBI has not been tracking this information. Um, And that is something that is a bit alarming to me. You know, why is this information not being tracked? Why don't we have records um, showing what's happening? Because uh, if we don't have to uh, know, then we can pretend, right? There's no problem. Exactly. It, it's, exactly. it's that denial. And and denial, I do believe, is is part of racism. I mean, we, we want to just not look at a problem. So if we don't track it, we don't get the data, then we don't have to look at it, do we? Exactly. So some of the data. Right. And and it was interesting to me because uh, what uh, what brought this to my attention and what made me think about this was this morning I woke up and I uh, went to social media and learned that a young man was uh, found hanging from a tree in Texas. And um, if anyone is familiar with the uh, past of racial inequality and how uh, Blacks were treated. Hangings uh, from a tree were one of the uh, monikers of racism uh, back then. So 
this is very alarming to the African-American community. It is very alarming to me that we would have something like this happen uh, today. And how Obviously, tragic, this, tragic, yeah. I mean, tragedy upon tragedy, but the symbolism to do it on the, the, ho- the week of the holiday that celebrates the word coming to Texas that emancipation had been granted. And yet, how many years later in 2020, they're still lynching black people? I mean, right. I, it's unfathomable. Right. So it, this is something that we really need to pay attention to. The other thing I thought was super important, and like I said, it took me this, this learning of Robert Fuller's death brought me to the fact that George Ferguson, I'm sorry, George Floyd, um, his death, after his death, how many people died due to police violence, right? So that is what my research went and took me on. Um, so now first I want to start with the fact that nearly 1,000 people are killed every year despite nationwide pushes for justice and reform. Um, and police, you know, protests against deadly use of force by police have swept across the country since 2015, right? And then the next year, police made nationwide um, reforms and then there were still a thousand people who were killed in 2017, 2018, and this continued since 2015. Police have shot and killed 5,400 people. This is not good, right? It's not so, acceptable. I mean, no. When, it's and when we and and when uh, the cry has been to reimagine policing, uh, this is why. I mean, it's out of hand. It's not so about now, the community. I mean, if we were right. really protecting the community, would there be this many deaths right. at the hands of a police? And, and, and I'm not saying I, I worked with law enforcement. My family's business uh, supported law enforcement. But there, there are uh, there's too much being expected for law enforcement uh, to, to accomplish. And with that power comes uh, abuse. Yes. And that's part of the challenge. And I think what we have to also think about is our um, constituency, right? Yes. Our, the our community. It's community. supposed to be peace peace officers. What happened and, you know, to peace? Right. That's the thing. White Americans generally thought police to be friendly protectors um, and generally looked at stories of police misconduct cynically. Right. And all of a sudden well, they, now, they, It's beyond their experience, to, right? They're guardians. Yeah. They're, the, they're the folks that protect us. Yes. And now as we think about that, we would hope that due to George Floyd's death that we would see um, less deadly force on the streets. However, we're actually seeing um, more deadly force on the street as a result of George Floyd's, uh, the pro- because of the protests and, and things and that we're are happening. S- and we're seeing it because people are, are, are filming it. 
and you right. can't deny what you see. I mean, that young woman that that filmed it changed the world because she stood her ground even when being told she was going to ma- be maced. She stood her ground. When the police knocked down that 75-year-old guy and he's bleeding from the ear, when uh, young protesters are beaten in front of us because we can see it on film, uh, it and yet you'd think that with all of this, that it, it being able to be seen, that there would be change. But even even with being able to see it, it continues. And that's part of the problem. Part of the problem is we do not have any national standards. Right. So uh, some departments have issued like new use of force policies or they said they'll give their uh, officers body cameras and training on and implicit bias, right? But years later, we look and we see many officers not using the body cameras because they say they're too expensive or um, not turning them on when they should be on and things of that nature. Or or a cop that should not be rehired lies about his background. They don't know it, goes to another precinct and is able to be hired because there's no national database they can look up and go, hey, does this guy have any issues? Yeah, it's data, right? What are we doing with our data? There's no nationwide data on use of force, right? So remember, I tell you, the the Washington Post came out with this in 2015. And after they came out with the Fatal Force website, the FBI, uh, (laughs) you know, recommended, they decided that they'd start using... um, data. So the post demonstrated uh-huh a dramatic <laughs> undercut of, by the FBI of fatal police shootings. And then uh, James Comey was the director, and he, he called the lack of federal data embarrassing and ridiculous. But we still don't see the data. Well, I wish we had some more time in this segment, but I got to go to commercial. Um, but I want to leave the audience thinking about, you know, we hear, we see sometimes this research. Well, there's no disparity. There's no problem. What are they looking at? They're looking at records that are being kept. And when you don't have full uh, data being revealed, then the data that you have is not going to be enough. You have to have a concerted effort to collect and, and, and be able to be honest and transparent. And I think that's what's being protest right now is the transparency as, as much as anything else. Um, yeah. Stop hiding and stop bullying. Uh, it's time yeah. to look at you know creating a community peace that uh, supports and becomes guardians of the peace and not enemy of the people. And with that, we'll have to take a break, (laughs) but I do want to make sure that folks know how to follow up with you, uh, my friend, Melissa. Uh, The Diversity Institute, give us the website, and if there is a good email to use. Info at thediversityinstitute.org or thediversityinstitute.org, and you can send us a comment right on the website. Terrific. Well, stay with us. We'll be right back after some good commercials and we'll continue our discussion of the history of Juneteenth, what we're dealing with in the present and hopes for the future. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. 
I'm Lori Fitz, your host. Today our show is co-produced with the Diversity Institute. I have Melissa Adams, who is the President and Executive Director, as my co-host. And we've been talking about Juneteenth, the history, the what it means to celebrate Juneteenth. And then in the context of what's happening now and our hopes for the future. And if you're just tuned in and you're not sure what Juneteenth is, on June 19th, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation finally made its way to Texas. And folks who, even two and a half years after the war was over, first learned that they were free. And there was a great day of celebration, and it's become a holiday in a predominant number of our states. Um, And I've got a couple quotes I'd love to kick us off with. Um, Juneteenth is a day that we commit to each other the needed support as family, friends, and co-workers. It is a day we build coalitions that enhance African-American economics. On Juneteenth, we come together young and old to listen, to learn, and, and to refresh the drive to achieve. It's a day where we all take one step closer together to better utilize the energy wasted on racism. Juneteenth is a day we pray for peace and liberty for all. Melissa, I know you're doing a lot of work with listening sessions, and you've got resources, and I know the one thing that keeps coming up over and over is what do we do? What should we do? Yes. How do we do this? So, uh, as you mentioned, the listening sessions, yes, uh, Stanton Ads Consulting, we have been doing um, a host of listening sessions with our clients and with uh, new corporations that are or private, public, nonprofit organizations that are in the um, community and abroad who want to find out what's on the hearts and minds of their employees and uh, their other stakeholders um, or other members of their constituency, forgive me. So part of what we've been learning is that um, this is all reeling on the heels of our uh, issues that are bubbling up in society over the pandemic, right? So I often ask folks to just give me one word to describe. You know, I usually start off as a facilitator. We want to have something to open up with. And I thought this was a pretty good one. One word to describe how you're feeling right now. And one thing that came up a lot in these listening sessions was pain. People were in um, a lot of pain. People were dealing with a lot of pain and um so I've, I've asked, what impact have recent events had on you and what are you doing as a result? And, you know, I'm trying to understand and learn came up a lot. Um, it's made me very anxious and outraged. Uh, people are having conversations with friends. Um, there's fear and confusion on connection between the protests and the riots. Um, you know, it's, some folks have been depressed and having trouble doing things, you know, and trying to find ways to get back to just living some sort of normalcy. Um, But I will say to folks that uh, we will not go back to the way things were um, due to COVID-19 and the race and civil unrest in our society. We can see that people are, there there was a movie, I don't know if you remember it, or a commercial that came out that 
very old just to say, I am mad as hell and I'm not going to take <laughs> yes, it anymore. Yes, 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 yes. That was a, actually a movie about media, so it's appropriate that <laughs> yes, it was right? a news and reporter I, that just couldn't take yeah. it anymore. He cracked, went out to the window, and everybody started going to the window. Yeah. 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 And it, it's indicative of today. Yes. America, it, it, these are things that were bubbling under the surface for quite some time. And until we start to have these conversations, uh, we will continue to have these issues, right? The things that go unsaid are the things that are causing us to have these resentments in society. So until we are able to have a healthy conversation about race without yelling and screaming or using violence or violent words, we will never move past this problem in our um, society. So it's important. The first thing that I would suggest is that people raise their own self-awareness. And, Lori, you and me, we both talk about this all the time when we talk about unconscious bias. Yeah. It's a mechanism that's built into our brains as a safety mechanism. And everybody so has it. Yeah. <laughs> we yes. all have it. You, me, yes. the president. Absolutely. The and... and and being able to just recognize it, you know, it turns it into an opportunity instead of something that you feel ashamed of. It's like, wow, where did that come from? Why am I, exactly. why did I react that way? What, what's going on there? Yeah. And I think, um, as you mentioned, looking at things that we can do, there are a couple of things we can do. As it pertains to Juneteenth, I would suggest if anyone is interested in learning more about Juneteenth, there are a couple of good websites. One is Juneteenth.com. That's J-U-N-E-T-E-E-N-T-H.com. This website is all you need to know about Juneteenth. It is a website that is uh, free. It has all the information you need. It also has many different ways that you can celebrate, either if it's inside of your organization, inside of your community, or inside of your home. And how wonderful would it be for all of us to take the time and celebrate Juneteenth and celebrate a future of connection? You know, celebrate what 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 can we look that was so tragic in our our past that we can overcome um, with hope for tomorrow in terms of making a commitment to change? I think people do it every day. Yeah, they they overcome things every day. You have people who have overcome addiction, people who have overcome um, abuse, people who have overcome all sorts of things in their lives. And America has overcome. America has overcome 9-11, right? We're going to overcome COVID-19. We overcame racism early in the 1960s to create civil rights bills. We overcame when we created the marriage amendment so that um, there were equal rights for gay Americans to get married. So we will persevere, but we need to do it together. Um, this is not an op- the, the If you look at the news right now and you look at where we are in our country, it's very easy to get on one side or the other. And that's not what we need. We need to align on our values as Americans. And create a plan to change, right. you know, commit to that. I have been so moved 
by the commitment of the multi-generational, multicultural, coming together and just saying, no, we cannot continue on this path. This is unacceptable. And creating a new vision for the future of what it could look like. So the new normal, the future normal, doesn't have to have a lot of the crap that we've had in the past. This is a reset button uh, opportunity that I hope that we'll, we'll take advantage of. And yeah. we have to go to break. We have to go to break okay. again. And then we'll have one, uh, one more uh, segment coming up. And I'd love to continue to share uh, resources and ideas and things to do in our next segment. Um, and for more information about the Diversity Institute and all the wonderful work that both uh, Melissa and her partner, Cecilia, do, uh, I encourage you to go to the diversityinstitute.org. Uh, and or if you want to send an email, send an email to info at diversityinstitute.org. Stay with us. We'll be right back after a few commercials. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. And today, our show is co-produced with the Diversity Institute, and I have Melissa Adams, who is the President and Executive Director, as my co-host. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and your passions and your, your support for changing the world. How, how can we talk about it? Sometimes people I have a hard time. That. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. People sometimes do have a hard time talking about race. Um, I think people feel, oh, I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going to be a bad person. So I'm just not going to say anything at all. And, and that's not the road to take. You know, the, ro- the road to take is going, I'm going to blow it. I'm going to make some mistakes. And that's okay. Yeah. And what's great is in your environment, and I've been to your institute's programs and I just love them. Uh, you make people feel safe and it's okay. It's okay. You know, let's, let's the, what's most important is the communication, is the conversation. Right. Well, first, I think we, we try to set the tone for a um, conversation. And we try to stay away from language like safe spaces, uh-huh. right? Because it's about having a conversation. And part uh-huh. of the challenge is it's, it, it's hard for me to keep people safe from the impact of someone else's words. Right. Um, so I'll give you an example. It's hard to keep people safe from the impact of my own words. I could say right now, oh, Lori, I look into my backyard and the sky is so clear and blue. And someone who is listening to our station today could say to themselves, wow, blue was my mom's favorite color. And she passed away around this time last year. So I don't know what impact such a bland statement could have on someone. We, we don't know, know people's triggers. There are all kinds right. of triggers out there that we have no idea. So yep. It's hard for me to keep you safe from the impact of my words. Imagine how much harder it is to keep you safe from the impact of someone's words in our listening session. Right. So what I try to help people understand is, let's create a brave space. Let's create a space where I'm brave enough to speak my truth or say whatever is on my mind and heart, but I'm also brave enough to hear a different perspective, right? So it gives me the ability to say what I need to say, but it also gives someone else the ability to say what they need to say. And we're all going to try to be brave listeners. (laughs) 
Absolutely. And isn't that, that has a little bit more heroic feeling to it than, you know, being a victim and you need to, someone needs to keep it safe for you. Um, no, right. you need I to, like that. you need to step to the plate and, and, and own it and own the fact that you may get hurt and own the fact that you might hurt inadvertently, but we're yeah. going to talk about it and not, you know, pretend it's not there or do passive aggressive reaction to it or go into denial. We're going to be right. present and we're going to do straight talk. Yeah. And you know, Lori, you said it um, so eloquently. It's about being brave, right? So if anyone was to go to our website today, they'd see brave, bold steps on our front uh, page because we believe that it takes courage. It takes uh, the ability to be brave. It takes commitment to speak truth to power. So we, we started out our conversation talking about Juneteenth and how laws were passed in America. And some of those laws were not abided by. So this, the government had to actually act and ensure that Texas had freed its slaves. So that is the responsibility of society, right? To act, to be brave enough to say something's wrong here. And we need to fix it. What I love when you said the word courage, it's, it's my favorite word. Um, the root of courage is French, the C-O-U-R, and it means heart. So courage doesn't mean that you're not afraid. Courage means that you're doing it with heart. That, yeah. that your heart is bigger than your fear. And that your yeah. heart knows where we need to go. Um, right, and, and even though it so can, right. can be fearful and even though there, and, and it gets back to what you said earlier, it's about aligning our values. That's where our heart is, where our values are. Exactly. And you will fight for your values, yes. right? Yes. Yes. You, you'll fight with your heart. Too. This is, you fight for us. You fight for family. You fight for what's right. Um, exactly. And, and how, exactly. To, and what kind of call to action can we inspire so that that sense of us is something that we do want to fight for, that, it, that, we, think, that we do want to be brave. I think you are 100% correct. We need to talk about some solutions, right? I think part of the challenge often is we belabor the point in talking about the problem. I want to give your listeners some solutions today. So one is we need to talk about racism and acknowledge that it's per, the pervasiveness then of, of racial discrimination and the fact that it's part of our history. Um, and if we do not talk about our history, we are damned to repeat it. Actively, intentionally work to ensure that the new policies, programs, and investments do not exacerbate or reinforce or recreate any form of racial disadvantage. Let's not create any new forms. And then let's audit the past uh, policies and procedures, right, to ensure that they're not impacting marginalized communities. We can make sure that people of color have a seat at the table, make sure that black, African-American, brown, indigenous people, and Asian and Hispanic people have a seat at the table where they are included in the conversation. Also, let's not include people of color as an afterthought. Let's not say, um, here's a program we created. Tell us what you think. Or Even tell us what all black people think about it. <laughs> Right. You're and, one person who can help me. You're right. one black person that I know, right? Um, understand that there are disparities, 
and examine data. And with that, and with that, I'm going to ask you to send me your list of suggestions so I can get it up on Facebook because we've got like 15 seconds left. Um, and there's more to talk about. So you're just going to come back and we're going to talk some more about yes, things that we, we can do. And, and I'm excited about our partnership with the Diversity Institute and the upcoming programs. Next week, we're going to have Rose McGee talk about Juneteenth as well um, and all the work she does with Sweet Potato Pie.